Proverbs chapter 22. We get to start in a brand new chapter. Proverbs chapter number 22. You never know whenever you start a section just how far you might go. And uh, I'm saying that because when we get down to verse number 6, it's uh, probably one of those that... uh, that I want to spend a lot of time on, and uh, so uh, we might get out a minute or two early tonight, whatever early is. I'm not sure. Of course, we have to get out uh, whenever the Iwana kids come over here, but uh, that's not this week. Proverbs 22, verse number 1, a good name. Well, boy, it starts off with a great subject anyway, amen, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. You, you know, it's always important that we understand who wrote what. And that's whether you're in the New Testament or Old Testament. Uh, understanding who the writer is is extremely important. Now, we know the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit, But the Holy Spirit used men, and uh, he used them in such a way that it related to the experiences that they went through. And uh, so whenever we come to this particular book of the Bible, uh, we want to remember that it was Solomon who who wrote this. And and I mention that because uh, I want to remind you that Solomon was not a what we might call an armchair quarterback. In other words, somebody that sits back in his comfortable chair on Monday and second guesses the players and the coach and everybody else and, you know, speak as though they're some kind of expert and in a lot of cases they never played football in their life and uh, don't really know anything about it, but they think that they know exactly uh, what, what the coach should have done. And if they knew all of the details, of course, they would agree with the coach. Now, I know it seems like I've gotten off track here, but I'll make my point in just a little bit. But we live in a, we live in a day where just about everybody wants to be classified as an expert on something. Uh, so far, I've been really pleased with what our president-elect has been doing I uh, don't understand for the life of me what Kanye West was doing in a meeting with with him, but that, uh, who knows? The, the, the point is that there are so many entertainers and athletes and what have you that use their popularity as a platform to spew all of their ideas. And here you've got some 25-year-old kid making millions of dollars a year throwing a bag of zipped-up air down the field and speaking like he is an expert on world affairs and so forth. And I say all of that to remind you, we've got to be careful who we listen to because everybody that pretends to be an expert is not. I mean, if you want to get some advice on finances, you don't go out here to a beggar on the street and ask him, you know, what investments you ought to make. He doesn't know anything about finances or he wouldn't be out there as a beggar on the street. So again, I say Solomon's no armchair quarterback. My point is that whenever he speaks here about riches, this guy's an expert. And I say he's an expert because he's the richest man in the world at that time. 
And, and notice he says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. So the, the point is that a, that the value of a good name simply cannot be calculated. It's more important than great riches or, or even the high esteem and the honor that others might bestow upon us. And so, uh, th- this is, uh, of extreme importance. Many years ago when Alexander the Great was uh, conquering the the world as it was, he had received a message that, well, one of his soldiers had been uh, uh, not just shirking his duty, but his his conduct uh, was unbecoming of, of anyone really and uh, just very worldly and I mean, it have to be bad for you know to get the attention of uh, of somebody like Alexander the Great. But anyway, it was called to his attention, so he he summons him to appear before him. Well, when he got there, when he got there, he uh, he asked him. He said, "What is your name?" And it just so happened that this guy's name was Alexander, also. And he looked at him and he told him. He said. Uh, soldier said, "You either change your name or you change your behavior." And, and you, you know that's uh, it, it's important when we think about w- what we're known by. And, and you know, back when when I when I was a boy growing up, uh, the, the, you heard that all of the time. So don't forget, you're you're this or you're that. You know and and uh, fathers were very much concerned about their name in the community. Booker T. Washington was an interesting man, and of course he had been a former slave, but he ascended uh, uh, to being a, a statesman and just, I mean, you talk about somebody taking nothing and making something out of it with his life. That's what he did. He, he made a comment, and I jotted it down. He said, slaves have no names, no authentic genealogy, no family history, no ancestral traditions, and therefore they have nothing to live up to. And consequently, he invented his own name, Booker T. Washington. But then he added this statement here that really I think puts all of this in proper perspective. He said, I tried to picture myself in the position of a boy or a man with an honored and distinguished ancestry. As it is, I have, I have no idea who my grandmother was. The very fact uh, that the white boy is, uh, that the white boy is conscious that if he, he fails, he will disgrace the whole family is of tremendous value in helping him to resist temptations. And the fact that the individual has behind him a proud family history serves as a stimulus to help him overcome obstacles when striving for success. Now, you know, we could go on and we could talk about our given name and so forth and uh, uh, and what, what it represents, but uh, but especially whenever we think about ourselves as Christians, and you know, I'm I'm certain that every single one of you that you know that word means more to you than anything else. Being identified as a Christian, I, I mean, you belong to the Lord. You're supposed to be like the Lord. You are a Christian. Uh, he is yours, and you are His. 
and and it's so important that we live up to that name the best that we possibly can and we think about the glorious heritage of of christians down through the ages and and we think about some of the most not just some of the most brilliant men that have been women that have ever lived but the very best from a moral standpoint i mean uh, boy, you you could put them up against anybody that's ever lived, and the greatest people on the face of the earth have been Christians. And you know, dare we bring shame and reproach to the to the Christian name by our ill behavior? And and we we need to keep that in mind. And and wherever we are, whether it's on the job or uh, out here in the in, in the world or wherever. Uh, we, we need to be mindful of the fact that we are representing Christ and others are going to judge him by what they see in us. And the sad thing is a lot of times they get the wrong opinion about Christ because of what they see in us. A good name is of greater value than silver and gold or the praise of man or any other thing. Verse number two, the rich and poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Now, he just got through speaking about our reputation and uh, the importance of a good reputation, but, but this is a reminder here that we're all held in equal esteem in, in the eyes of God. And, uh, you, you know, it's one thing to have a, a, a good reputation. It's another thing to do certain things, certain accomplishments that that calls you to be honored by your fellow man, and and that's all well and good. And, and, and for some strange reason, we tend to think more highly of people, you know, have some notable accomplishment. Uh, even though it might not be of any eternal value, some way or another, we, you know, we give them awards and, and things like that, and after a while, we... We hold them in higher esteem than we do just the average Joe out there that doesn't ever really seem to accomplish anything. But when it comes to God, let me tell you, we're all on level ground in his eyes. The reason it is so important for us to understand that is because respect for one another is absolutely essential to any peaceful and well-ordered society. I mean, whether it's in the home, whether it's in the church or wherever it is, woe is unto the nation, the church, the family, or wherever, if people refuse to respect each other. And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter number 10, I think it is, that God's no respecter of persons. And, and, and you know, by virtue of the fact that God's not a respecter of persons, we certainly shouldn't be. And yet, as you know, it happens all of the time that, you know, we put some people up on a pedestal and we treat other people like they don't even exist. And, and we, you know, we, listen, we don't have to always agree with each other on everything, but we can be respectful of one another. And I'll, I'll never forget years ago, and I, I know you've heard me mention this before, but it was so important in my life that whenever I, that first year that I started preaching, all I cared about was being right. And I didn't care who got hurt in the process. I, just as long as I was right, you know, and I knew I was right and, 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 and just run roughshod over people. 
And, and I'll never forget the day that it dawned on me when Paul said, speaking the truth in love. And let, let me tell you, you can pound the pulpit and get red in the face and stomp your foot, and you and and you you can preach hard and you can preach against sin, and you should, but you can do it with love. It doesn't have to be something syrupy, sweet, you know, and just uh, that's going to please everybody. But it's speaking the truth in love and and. Uh, it, if preachers sometimes are guilty of being so disrespectful to people and God help us to to not do that we need to speak the truth but it ought to be with love and respect for one another a few weeks ago I was talking about uh, well a few months ago Bev reminds me I you know my my mind I you know uh, things that I think happened last week was a year ago or something like that that I guess the older you get, that starts happening or something. I don't know. But uh, I had uh, two, two guys ex, that had been ex-convicts in, uh, in, in the church parking lot, and they were about to go to Fist City, and I went out there and broke it up. And the whole thing revolved around, you know, one of them saying, well, he dissed me. And uh, just, just, you know, in prison, that, boy, that's a big thing. It'll get you killed in a hurry just disrespecting somebody. And uh, so whether it's out there in the streets or whether it's in the church pews, uh, we, we need to be respectful. Verse number three, a prudent man. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple man pass on and are punished. Now, the word prudent is, I think the best way to describe it is just saying it's another word that for, for wisdom. It's talking about somebody that is wise, somebody that has insight. And in this case, he's telling us what a prudent man does. He foresees the evil, and notice when he does, he takes appropriate action. He hides himself, but the simple pass on and are, are, are punished. Now, this, you could say, is about the danger of dullness. And by dullness, I'm talking about that person that is insensitive, the person that is just not alert, that's just not aware of what's going on around him. But the person that, that has wisdom is ever watching for what's going on. Turn back to chapter number four for just a, just a minute, and there's a couple of verses here that we looked at uh, in our study earlier. Verse 25, he says, Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Now, he, here's the key part. Ponder. That word literally means to weigh. Ponder the path of thy feet. And let all of thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. So uh, here, here, here we see again the evidence of someone that, that has wisdom. They're pondering their path. They're, you know, it goes back to that old saying, look before you leap. And as a lot of people, they go through life like they've got blinders on and they have no idea what's going on around them. And, and naturally, you always run headlong into trouble whenever you do that. And we've all seen it happen, haven't we? we we've observed someone doing that. 
And more than likely, we can all look back and think of some time in our life where we did something like that. You know, we didn't intend for it to happen. Uh, we, you know, we were just living our life, uh, just, you know, uh, everything going along, uh, doing business as usual. And, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves in a mess of trouble uh, without realizing it. And here we are, and we get to thinking about where we went wrong and, and then we look back and say, well, that's where I took the wrong step. I wasn't alert. I didn't see the danger there. And, and we need enough wisdom to be able to ponder our path, to be able to, to be alert and aware of the evil around us. Now, you know, there's a lot of different ways in which we, we do that. And certainly we wouldn't be successful if the Lord didn't help us. The Holy Spirit working in our heart, alerting us to the evils around us. But listen, the best protection that we have is the Word of God. And that's why the, you know, the psalmist said that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And if we're pondering our path and thinking about where we're going to put our, our, our foot down or the next step that we're going to take, you know, uh, we, 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 need, we need some light. I remember whenever we were building Highway 65 from Springfield down to Branson, and, and, and back then the, the, large, the largest cut through limestone in the state of Missouri was on, uh, on that, the big hill, you know, halfway in between there. And it was just solid limestone, like a hundred feet. Well, you have little ledges going up there. You don't have just a sheer straight wall. We went up, I can't remember now, 15, 20 feet, and then you'd have a uh, maybe an eight-foot ledge that that was been dy- dynamited out there, and then you go up, and it was stair steps all the way up there for safety reasons. And I can remember all of that had to be cross-sectioned. That that means somebody's got to get up there with a level rod and walk every step of that up through there. I mean, you got to know how you're going to pay the contractor, right? So you got to see how much material has been taken out of there, and it's the only way to do it. You do the original survey, you make the cross-section. Whenever it's all over, you go back, you do a cross-section there. It tells you how much material was taken out. He gets paid on that basis, but somebody had had to walk along and let me tell you it's not much fun and i'm saying all that for a reason whenever you're way up there in the air and you're looking down uh, that cliff you you take great pains on where you put your foot down you want to make sure it's something you know that is solid and something that's not going to fail you well we ought to go through life that way and the only sure guide that we have is the Word of God. And you mark it down, anyone, I don't care how long they've been saved, I don't care how smart they are, regardless, anyone in this church, including me, if we neglect to study the Word of God on a regular basis, I know we think we can get along without it a lot of times, you know, and we'll just do a little five-minute reading first thing in the morning, and, 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 you know, well, well, I've you know, I've relieved myself of my duty for today. I read a portion of God's Word. We don't have that attitude about eating, do we? Job said, if I have esteemed the words of thy mouth more than my necessary food, you know, and, and that, that's like somebody saying, well, you know, I eat a Twinkie for breakfast this morning. I don't need anything else till tomorrow morning. I'm good to go. 
Well, you get by with that for a few weeks, you know, but eventually it's going to it's going to catch up with you and cost you your health. And that's the same thing when it comes to the Word of God. Every one of us need a regular diet of God's Word. You can't study it too much. You really can't. Because as you study the Word of God, you are feeding your soul, you're building up your strength, but you're enlightening your mind, and it makes you more aware of the dangers around you. So, a prudent man foreseeth the evil, and when he does, he hides himself. He, he, he gets away from it. Now, verse 4, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Now, here, he if I had to give this verse a title and it was going to be a sermon, I... I think I would entitle it, Graces That Bring Gifts. Graces That Bring Gifts. Notice there are two graces that are mentioned here, and then there are three gifts that are mentioned. The graces, of course, are humility and and the fear of the Lord. And then the three gifts, notice he says, riches and honor and life. Now think about those three things, riches, honor, and life. Those are three things that are often sought but seldom found. And, and by that, I mean you go out there and take a survey of them, you know, everybody you find walking down the street and ask them about how important it is, you know, riches, you know, you, you, you want enough money at least where you can buy the things that you need and you'd, you'd like to prosper a little bit and, uh, and honor, certainly, you know, you want to, want others to respect you enough that they will honor you for the things that you've done. And then, and then there's life thrown in here. And so these are things that everybody wants, but not everybody has. And one reason is because people go about it the wrong way. They, people will, for example, they'll, they'll push, they'll shove, they'll pull strings, they, they'll tell lies, they'll do whatever they can think of to get those things that they, they want. There are some people on this earth that would do absolutely anything for money or riches or, or whatever you like. Like whoever it was just, what was it, yesterday, they shot, shot this woman, they stealed her in a car. They didn't have to shoot her. They just decided, well, while we're at it, we'd just kill you, and shot her and, and took her car. Uh, it, it's amazing that somebody has such little value for life that they would take a life in order to, to get a hunk of metal out here. That, that, it just blows my mind. So people will do anything. But other people, you know, they don't care much about riches at all. They'll do anything to get honor. Boy, to get, you know, to be honored by other people, to win an award. It, kind of like, uh, what was it, the, uh, the cheerleader mother or whatever. Well, that was here close to Houston. They made the movie out of, you know, the cheerleader moms. Or, yeah, are you kidding me? I mean, I'm going to get what I want for me and for my kid, and I don't care who gets hurt in the process. And, and, and so I'm saying all of that to say this. 
People want these things, but they go about it the right way. These things that he mentions here, whether it's riches or honor or life itself, these are things that are provided for us as a gift from God as a result of us having a right relationship with God. And and by the way, if they don't come to us when we have a right relationship with God, it's for our own good. It's because we don't need those things. John Phillips wrote, he said, Riches and honor and life are God's gifts. The great counterfeiter, the devil, offers fame and success, and they are poor substitutes, and all of them can be gained dishonorably. But true riches, he said, true honor and true life are not found on a battlefield, in the political arena, or in the halls of commerce or in the clusters of a college, they're found at Calvary. And I read that and I thought, man, that's, he hit the nail on the head. That is exactly right. And the point is that if we want, if we want God's best for us, we must walk humbly before the Lord and we must reverence the Lord. And that word fear, speaking about a reverential fear for God just as much as a dread of the thought of displeasing Him. And and it says we walk humbly before the Lord and we give Him the respect that He deserves. All of a sudden, it's like we've untied the hands of God. I know that's a strange analogy, but Israel limited the Holy One of Israel because of their conduct, God was limited in what he could do with them, through them, and for them. And when you and I have a right relationship with God, we give him the respect that he deserves, we walk humbly before the Lord, then God gives us those things that we, that we need the most. Now, he, he might not give us everything we want, because a lot of times we want things we really don't need. That's a part of what the problem in the world is today people confuse their wants with their needs and they think if i want it i need it and that's not true uh, a, lot, a lot of times you know us getting what we want uh, could have a devastating effect upon us regardless of how much we might enjoy it at the moment it could prove the fatal blow to ruin our christian life getting what we want And God's wise enough to know the difference between what we need and what we want. Verse 5, thorns and snares are in the way of the froward, and he that doth keep his soul shall be far from them. Back in chapter 13 and verse number 15, it says, The way of transgressors is hard. The way of transgressors is hard. Just look throughout history and you see evidence of that. Well, notice here, and this, this is what we see here. This shows us the results of waywardness. Now, remember, we've been talking about pondering our path. We've been talking about, you know, being prudent and understanding where we go and the consequences of it. Well, uh, he's showing us here the result of going in the wrong direction. And this this word forward speaks of that which is crooked. And, and by that, in this case, it would be that which is contrary to the will and the way of God. Uh, rather than it being the straight, narrow way, it is a crooked way. And, and he tells us here that the result of going in that direction, taking that path, he says... 
he says there will be thorns, that would speak about pain, and then he says there will be snares, that's unexpected danger. Those that stray away from God invite that into their life, unexpected danger and suffering and pain as a result of it, and so you know that that's the warning and again let's go back to solomon we've been talking about solomon being the richest man in the world the wisest man in the world but i gotta tell you he did some of the dumbest things anybody ever did too and so he can be an example for us in the sense that he made some horrible choices in his life and it and it cost him dearly and so, as, and you know, as he's writing this to us, again, we, we are reminded here is a man who has been there, done that, that knows what he's talking about, that has suffered as a result of some foolish choices that he's made, and he's sounding out this warning to us, telling us, look, if you take that crooked path, you go in the wrong direction, there are going to be thorns, you're going to get hurt, there's going to be unexpected dangers, there's snares, you're going to get trapped. And that's exactly what happens so many times. Our only, our only course of safety is in the paths of righteousness. Uh, the, you, you, you might say the only, the only way to remain safe is to stay in the path of duty. If we just stay busy doing the things that God wants us to do. Leave the results to Him. We don't have to make a name for ourselves. We don't have to be famous. We don't have to be successful. All we need to do is be faithful to just, and that's why I describe success as discovering and doing the will of God. That's it right there. And if we know what God wants us to do, and we do our best to do it, there's not a safer spot on the face of this earth than being in the center of God's will. I mean, that, that, that's the safe place for all of us. So next week, by the way, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to wait until next week to start in on this because uh, it, it wouldn't take me much more time than I have tonight. But verse number 6 is so important. And, and by the way, it is so misunderstood and that's the reason I want to spend some time talking about it. Train up a child of the way he should go. Now, now, I want you to keep that in mind in light of all of the things that we've said tonight. All of the warnings that have been given about taking the wrong path, making the wrong decisions, and the danger and the suffering that awaits those that do. And, 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 and our, our concern about those matters ought to transcend self. There ought to be a concern in our heart for our children and our grandchildren. And that's why he says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about some things related to that that I think are really misunderstood. Uh, and, uh, I need to just cut it off or I'll be getting into it. But uh, we, we want to come away with that uh, study of that next week uh, encouraged by it rather than, you know, re rather than being on a guilt trip. And, uh, and I say that because there have been a lot of good parents put on guilt trips by wayward children and, and preachers that didn't know what they were talking about 
you know, your kid, your kid went wrong. It's all your fault. Well, we'll see about that. We'll talk about it, Lord willing, next week. Anybody have a comment or anything?